0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: Dante Stewart, welcome to Viral Jesus.
2: I have deleted nothing. All my tweets, all thousands of them, all my posts. You can go back because I want people to see that changing is a part of the process. I don't got to delete anything. You should see my journey. And that is where the power lies.
1: From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. I remember hearing a lecture by Dr. Beverly Daniel Tatum, who is the author of Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria, where she said that avoiding talking about race takes more energy than just, you know, talking about it. The example I use when I teach intercultural communication is that if there is an elephant in the room, think about how much energy it actually takes for you to not say out loud, hey everyone, there's an elephant in the room. It takes more energy to pretend that an issue doesn't exist than to name it and describe it and talk about how we can work through it. My guest today is someone who has no problem talking about it, Dante Stewart. Dante Stewart is a writer and speaker whose voice has been featured on CNN, The Washington Post, Christianity Today, Sojourners, and more. He has a new book, Shoutin' in the Fire, an American Epistle. So, Dante, I like to open every episode by reading to my guest a little tweet or something from their Instagram or blog post. And this is from your Twitter a few days ago. You say, black boys and men deserve to experience rest, be creative, celebrated, free, and whole while we are alive and not be told in so many ways that we have to wait for it when we are dead. That post got 2,000 likes when you posted it. I hear your daughter in the background cheering it on. Apparently she loves it too. I have a question for you. Other than the post getting a lot of engagement, how would you say this post speaks to how you show up online publicly Mm -hmm. in areas of social justice?
2: Yeah, 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 100. Well, thank you, first of all, uh, for having me on. Um, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, But it actually was in response to the death of... um, fashion designer Virgil Abloh, who is famous for, for at least for the sneakerheads out there, uh, for off-white. Now, I will say this. Let me preface my statement. I am not a sneakerhead. My (laughs) sister is a sneakerhead. I would love to own a pair of off-whites, uh, or on anything off white uh cuz that that that's when you know you made it
1: uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> we ain't there yet i ain't there yet y'all I
2: literally go into the sneaker store and and the off whites are in their own little thing and my boy my boy rich uh who my sneaker dude uh my boy rich is like hey bro, i a and he talk like this he be like hey bro <laughs> hey bro hey hey this when you know you made it bro uh, and I'm, so whenever I make it then I'll give me some off wipes but that um that tweet was we
1: looking at the shacks right now but it's okay
2: yeah yeah well actually nah
0: I, I,
1: got, I got some heat on
2: my feet now you know and ain't nothing wrong with shacks you know ain't nothing wrong with shacks or, or sketches or anything like that I think every shoe is designer based on you know whoever did it is designer wear uh, but I, I am rocking some pollens right now so I, I do got some heat on my feet uh, for the listeners who do no shoes um but that 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 um that that tweet was in response to his death but also you know the deaths of so many you know black men um Chadwick Bozeman, um you know so so many black men um you know Amary Berry George Floyd you know i mean it it's just the the and that's not even including you know the black men that many of us know <laughs> you know right, uh, right. that who who either died from covid or or died to the streets You know, or died, you know, on the inside um, for a multitude of reasons. So that, you know, that that tweet speaks to the way I, especially as you're talking about the way I want to show up in the world is, you know, I want to be somebody, you know, who takes whatever I read, whatever I think, uh, whatever's going on in our brain, you know, and, and to say, like, yo, I see you. Like, I want black folk to be like, yo, like, he see us, like, he doing work for us. He loves us. He knows us. Like, you know, that, that tweet does not grow out of nowhere. It, it it grows out of a deep, intimate knowledge of black life. You know, it grows out of a deep wrestling, you know, with the likes of Bell Hooks or Professor Mark Anthony Neal, those who write on black men. Um, but it also grows out of my own experience, like running into my brother at Waffle House, random, randomly running into my brother at Waffle House and seeing my cousin Theo and their boys and them going to the drag strip and being like, man, all that stuff, holy. And that stuff's sacred. And it's worth both the page and the tweet and whatever, you know, whatever words we can give it to give it voice and beauty.
1: So I've been following you a long time. I had you guest lecture my class and this would have been like two years ago. So it was we that know, long? I think, yeah. Dang, it, it so was something that happened, long. Something happened in COVID where it feels like COVID took five years of our lives. Not Wando. Not for real. Yeah, it this, did. It did. This was pre-COVID. I had you speak to my students, but how would you describe your origin story or your growth story online? Have you been shocked to see how quickly you've kind of grown online?
2: Yeah. Yes and no.
0: Like <laughs> Let's you know,
2: keep it real. <laughs> not for real. Like like I'm, I'm gonna keep it a buck. Like I'm gonna keep it a buck. Like yes and no. Like yes in the sense of like whenever any growth happens, you know, if we're speaking in language of markets and things like that. You know, markets are always changing and our algorithms are always changing. So, like, you know, you never know what's going to hit in any given moment. Right, right. You know, and, and something as simple as like, yo, you know, Jesus wept, you know, could do like 10, 10 grand, you know, right, right. on any given day. But like these kind of deep philosophical ideas that grow out of reading in a five carousal thread can do like 68. You know, and you just never know and you can never judge it. But, like, for me, it does shock me in a sense because the way I'm showing up in the world on social media is, like, I'm naming myself as a particular type of person. Mm. Um, There's, like, no, there's no, like, when you come to my profile, (laughs) there's no, like, guessing who I am or what I think. You know, you don't got to go too digging too, too long to know, like, yo, Dante Stewart is somebody... If you even read my bio, you know, it's Dante Stewart is somebody who, like, I love my family. I'm a country boy. I'm giving you Jesus and James Baldwin. I'm at Emory University. You know, I'm pastoral ministry. You know, that's who you get. And so, like, I name myself as that person, but then I also name myself as, you know, like a black progressive Christian. And it's like, you know, it is what it is. That's who I am. And I used to be in the evangelical space and things like that. So I know that space very intimately, but, you know, boom, boom, boom. And so like, it does shock me because like that demographic does not necessarily, when you're talking about, talking about, when you're talking about influence, cultural influence, you know, the evangelical is in the cultural public eye, you know, you talk about who gets like that space, you know, in in, in media culture. You know, the whether whether for good or for ill, you know, whether somebody's talking about white evangelicals and what they did, terrible, or if somebody is presenting kind of an alternative view of Christianity, many times those people are still very much fundamentally connected to evangelical subcultures as it relates to the performance of their faith, the principles, et cetera, et etc. Cetera. So I'm kind of surprised, you know, that people are resonating with my stuff in that I'm naming myself as such yeah. and as a Christian. Uh, you know, but then also it doesn't surprise me cause I don't be like, I don't know, like the way I move and maneuver on social media is very intentional. It's strategic. And so at one point in time, I used to just be like throwing out stuff, <laughs> but like now like talking to friends and people who like know social media, who know media culture, who know stuff like this. Like, I mean, I've, I've gotten better at developing like a strategy to take what I'm thinking, to take what I'm knowing I mean thinking what I'm wrestling with, what I'm reading, what I'm feeling, and put it in very creative and compelling ways on social media. So I'm not so yes, on one hand, but then on the other hand, I'm not really like surprised either, because it's intentionality and I and 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 I think I do a really good job, you know, at at trying to, you know, think about what's relevant in the moment, what's resourceful. I I don't be getting into a lot of the mess. Like you ain't yeah. gonna never find me, you know, arguing with nobody. You know, I ain't going to, I mean, I'm going at people's heads on some things, but, you know, I ain't going to go on this long, like, diatribe and things like that back and forth with folk. Because at the end of the day, if I'm arguing, then I can't create. And if I can't create, I can't make no money. You know, I can't make no money. I can't make no, no nothing happen for my family, nor can I make change in the
1: way that I right. want to change. So, yeah. I just want to affirm you in that you also have so much charisma, which I think is so helpful for you. But oh, I will you. say you <laughs> you aren't a conflict person. You kind of just share what you care about, and if people also resonate, right. great. Otherwise, you're not trying to get in conflict. When I when I had you speak to my class, that was a classroom of very predominantly white Republican mm-hmm. students, and they absolutely adored you. And many oh, of wow, them I not even know that. I, many of them <laughs> bought your book shouting in the fire afterward. And of course, if he be lifted up, he draw all people to himself. I think when people sense the Holy Spirit with you, even if you're saying something that they would typically not agree with, they warm to it. And I think that's what's happened. Social media can be really powerful like that. It's a very powerful communication tool and it can bring out the best in people, but also sometimes the worst in people as they engage Mm -hmm. online. What is something that you wish you knew when you started? So, if we could go back a few years ago, what do you mm. wish you knew or what would you tell that Dante Stewart a few years ago? Here's what's coming for you.
2: Oh, you mean in the kind of social media yeah, space yeah, yeah. or just in general in life? Well, we, like, let's, <laughs> go. I mean, you I, don't mean want to stop I mean, because that's a totally, them answers, I mean, them two totally different questions. Okay, no,
1: let's do both. You
2: know, okay, all right, let's do both. So, on social media, I guess for me, is that like, I would say keep doing what you're doing, don't build your platform on, being somebody who is only known for what they're against. Yeah. Like, cause at one point in time on social media, you know, especially when I was in like the reform space, the evangelical space, so much of like my presence, the way I moved and maneuvered was simply arguing,
0: mm. you know, and,
2: and simply indexed on who, who I'm not like. So, or who I don't like. Uh, so it became these like diatribes and I'll never forget a story changed. Th- this changed me. This changed my life in general. You know, uh, but it also changed, like, how I moved and maneuver on social media in particular. In 2015, the Charleston shooting happens. Then President Barack Obama goes and presents a eulogy. On Facebook, I go on this diatribe and say, you know, how can, you know, Barack Obama say that he preached a sermon when he's not a Christian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I put up the social media post on Facebook. Two, three hundred comments. You know, this is 2015. I'm very much inside of reform evangelicalism, white evangelicalism, and not even just simply social media. I am callous to deaths of black folk. Oh, wow! Like my wife put up the background that went viral of South Carolina flag with the uh, nine uh, birds in flight to represent the nine beautiful black folk who murdered by Dylan Roof. Um, and I was callous. I was somebody who didn't care. You know, I was that black conservative dude that. I was that guy, you know, I ain't <laughs> got to go into too much detail uh, or, or, or whatnot, but I was I was that dude. Um, I, I go in this diatribe and then, you know, I'm, I'm hitting up one of my professors at Clemson to this day. Now, thankfully, we're really good friends to this day, uh, but there was a time where we fell out and it was over that post. Well, inside of that post, it was not just callous. It was incredibly, incredibly ignorant and incredibly demonized. Mm. Years went by. And I started to realize, okay, like, dang, yo, like, like, she ain't returning my calls. You know, I'm just checking in, sending emails. email. She ain't like, you know, and we was we was tight. She really was like, this person, I would not graduate Clemson <laughs> if it was not for this professor. That's okay. who she is. I would not have graduated. And I realized years later, when I stopped in Clemson, after I changed, this was years later, I changed, maybe like three years later, I changed. My mind, uh, in in so many ways, you know. I know what kind of group we're in, so I ain't gonna kind of go on that. But um, I changed my mind in, in so many ways on so many things. We just keep it at that. Uh, I, <laughs> I changed my mind on so many things in so many ways, and so I went over to her office, and she was in her office, knocked on the door. She's surprised to see me, and I apologized to her because I knew through a friend that that was the post that not only broke her heart, but that was an attack on who she was as a person. Mm. That was my Christianity. Mm. And when I apologized to her, it unearthed some things in me, as well as with my wife and with my other friends. It unearthed a lot of ways I was moving in public. I was problematic. You know, and it's just like Jesus. Jesus, there's a story in the Gospels. You tie the 10th, you know, but you disregard the way your matters of the law. Right. And it's as if Jesus is saying your faith may be public and may contain what you believe to be purity. But actually, it's problematic mm. and so that changed how I moved the maneuvered that I was like, yo, my social media presence can't just be about who I'm against, who I'm who, who like me, who this, who that, who this, and that, that That's an exhausting way to be online.
0: Yeah. It's an
2: exhausting way to be, you know, in public uh, in general, because um, at the end of the day, when you go home and you look around and you just be by yourself like, how many people, how many wounded bodies? yeah you know? are laid in the trail of how you move and maneuver online. And then I'm not a person that scrapes stuff online. So you can go back and see this. Like I have deleted nothing. All my tweets, all thousands of them, all my posts. You can go back because I want people to see that changing is a part of the process. Mm. I don't got to delete anything. You should see my journey. And that is where the power lies. And then secondly, wait, wait, hold on. I gotta ask
1: you about this because it's a conversation I have with my students all the time. And it it's what we're talking about, which is where my students say, I don't know how to have relationship anymore with my friend or with my parents or with my cousin because you know, politics or their views on social justice, it's just it's it's so antithetical to who I am. I don't know how to be in relationship with them anymore. And yet I'm hearing in your own story growth and grace that God has extended to you and other people have extended to you. And so what would you say to somebody that says, well, I have to cut off everybody who doesn't agree with me on this because obviously we're not the same and we don't have the same core values. What do you say to those people?
2: Well, I say you're going to have to cut somebody off too. Like you're going to have to cut some people off, you know, at the end of the day. I think, I think we always got to be discerning of who we're connected to and what we're connected to and who benefits from that connection and what that connection turns us into. Mm. So at some point, you know, if the people and the things and the perspectives that I'm connected to are devaluing other people's humanity, if indeed, you know, like what I believe is a part of justification of violence against other people, Mm. if what I believe and how I maneuver and think, you know, is also you know silent and apathetic to their suffering or even to the way they create life and build life i need to reevaluate some things you know and i think especially talking to christians like you know like we we never want to get to a place in our faith where we don't think that our faith needs reevaluation like like i'm reminded of um tavia butler's uh, parable of the sower the main protagonist in this dystopian future is writing uh her Bible, her sacred text. Um, she's in a moment where, as Octavia Butler responded to a student about the dangers and the disaster, she's in a moment where the kind of dangers of the past have now become the disasters of the future. And a way to provide a coherent framework for understanding uh, that would both spiritually ground the people that she's in community with, also to build something alternative to the world that is completely marked by death, destruction and violence and and chaos. She looks within. She looked within herself and she developed this book called Earthseed, which is her sacred text. And one of the main, I mean, just popular phrases in that in, in, in her text is God has changed. I mm. mean, um, I think Christians, when we think about sanctification, and we think about our connection to Jesus and our connection to one another in the community that we're building, you know, God is change. It is, it is about growth yeah. and evolution and maturing and becoming responsible in our love. Uh, what what the main protagonist is just simply saying is the same thing. You know, as, as Paul is saying in, in Romans chapter twelve about this ability to grow. Um, and so I think you know. There are some people that we need to be cut off from if those people don't help us grow. But then also, like when I think about my own life and, and changing, number one, you need to realize like, like change is messy. Like right. the thing is messy. Like it's it's not it's not cool to change. Like you lose a lot. You lose people, you lose friends, you lose family, you know, and, and things like that. And 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 change. It's oftentimes a process that is long and dark. So you think about Luke and in, 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 in the Gospel of Luke when the disciples are on the road to Emmaus. Like, like that, we need to kind of go back to that story, you know, and, and, and the ways in which like thinking about if we thinking about faith in Jesus. Their faith left and they have to figure out how to pick up the pieces on the road and along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to figure out how to travel back to the places that oftentimes were chaotic and confusing and to bring meaning in those spaces that were messy. And so sometimes I'm just going to say sometimes. We need to be cut off for a season. Mm. To return again a different way and different people. So I can't I can't give the final answer on, you know, how to, you know, maneuver in those situations. But I will say that one needs to discern what I'm connected to, who I'm connected to and what is that making us. And I'm, I'm reminded of um, Lucille Clifton in her poem, Won't You Come Celebrate With Me? The opening stanza of that poem says, Won't You Come Celebrate With Me? So the poet is inviting people into a certain uh, experience of celebration. Won't you? We don't know who that you is. It's plural. You know, it's an invitation to all. Won't you come do something? Celebrate. Celebrate with who? With me. Why? Why? What's the type of life I've made? Now, mm. the question is, at the end of that celebration, who is there? Who is at the end of that celebration? If you invite people, won't you come celebrate with me? With the type of life you made. What type of life have you made? And if those people who you look around celebrating the type of life you made are the same people that people are telling you very public and very profoundly that those people are harming me, those people are not loving, then we need to reevaluate the type of life we're making Mm -hmm. and realize that maybe this community, this crowd is not a crowd I want to be connected to. And for a season or for a lifetime, I need to be disconnected. So, yeah.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder... Can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org/viraljesus today
1: You said change is hard and it's dark and it's messy What did you lose as you went through mm. your own transformation process, mm. I I can't even imagine the relationships and mm-hmm. the valleys that you've gone through. What what do you feel like you've lost
2: through the process of changing? And I think this might be some of the most disorienting um, and depressing. Is more than opportunities, you know. More, you know. More than whatever could have been brought or whatnot. I think. What I lost most was like trust, you know, and loyalty. Where on one hand, through seasons, when you kind of in certain in spaces in general, in one season you may think that this is like the best space ever. Like this is where I should be. This is where I'm called to. And oftentimes we convince ourselves that that is such. You know, we convince ourselves that yo. Know, like, this is it. This is the creme de la creme of, of, of community. But then, you know, things start to happen that reveal that oftentimes fractures under the surface, that reveal the kind of fault lines that are bubbling up that oftentimes are covered up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think for me, it was the friendships and the trust that I gave so many people so much. My family. And this is just not something, just me, like my family. Like I gave people so much of our lives. Only two years later, those same people act like, you know, that that we are the worst human beings ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I'm still in ministry. I'm still in church ministry. I'm in pastoral ministry. I'm, 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 I love the church. I'm still in the church. But like, this is why I, I think, I hate church too because like legit, like I do hate church in certain cases. Like I hate how the way we read the Bible has given us justification to treat people as if they're nothing.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: I think we need to get rid of texts like that where, you know, treating people like unbelievers, like just to think about what that gives people, what, what that weaponizes in people. Like to treat somebody that that is problematic on a f- few levels, you know, that that unbeliever means you treat them like they're not human, that that they're not like before they ever believer or not. They're not an image bearer in that framework. Mm-hmm. So that's problematic, you know, in, in many ways. But what that that posture years and years and years of that posture has been littered with multitudes of. Wounded and destroyed people And That's probably what I lost the most in that space in, in changing and leaving It's like people treat You know me and my family And others and friends As if like They erase us In a sense mm-hmm. you know like, like the church that I used to be at is a local church Here in Augusta and I'll never forget walking to the coffee shop I used to Work at and bumping into one of The people you know and when I say bump, I mean I be trying to avoid people. Like I'm I'm very like, I'm 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 laid back. I'm I'm I ain't trying to if I if I cut you off in one season, I ain't trying to deal with you in the next. Like, <laughs> like there's a reason why. Like I'm very gracious and nice as a person. But if we get to the point where like we done, like it's it's because something was so bad that like it's gonna affect the way like, when I run into you and be around you, it's going to affect the way I treat my family. Mm. It's going to stay with me. And I can't have that energy. I don't need that energy. But I bumped into this person one day. And when I say, Heather, they act as if, like, I was like an invisible man. <laughs> like, legit. They looked me in my eye <laughs> and they looked away and they walked away.
0: Mm.
2: And that's... I don't need that. I'm good with where I'm at. But like, that is so much of what I think I lost is that I gave people what they never deserved. Mm. And that was trust with my humanity and trust with my future. And when you build things on trust and that is broken, you know, that betrayal runs deep. And people move on as if nothing happened. No apologies ever happened, you know. No, no restitution ever happened. You know, if anything, you know, it, it became like it—it it became a weapon and a justification, et cetera, et cetera. So that's probably what I lost, uh, and what many people lose. And thankfully, thank God, you know, my my team right now is much healthier.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, than the team I, I had in the past. So yeah. So what
1: would you say to somebody who right now is just sitting in the loss and the change yeah. and the despair, and they don't have a new team yet? Can you just speak some hope into that space? Yeah,
2: 100. Yeah, 100. All right. I'm going to just say, you know, you are not wrong. Wrong is not your name. You know, that's June Jordan. She has a poem. And I want, whoever you are, I want you to read this poem. This poem is called Poem About My Rights by June Jordan. And I want you to read it. And I want you to pray it. And I want you to think through it. And I want you to declare Wrong is not my name. My name is my own, my own, my own. That's what June Jordan says. I want you to read that and sit with it, number one. Number two, realize that like, y- you would rather, you know, as Jesus did in his day, you would rather stand as wobbly as that standing is with those who are trying to imagine better than sit with people who have no idea what's going on at all. Mm -hmm. Like, like you would rather sit with them, like, like stand with them, than sit down. That's very intentional language. Sitting denotes comfortability, Mm -hmm. denotes timing. Standing means we can move around. We, We can do some things. It's that whole principle of synergy. That what we can do together is much better. Where we can move together is much better than what we can do apart. And so I would rather be standing with people who are trying to imagine better than sitting with people who are okay with the world as it is. And that, indeed, you know, it's going to take time. Life is hard. Change is hard. And you have to wake up every day as best you can and say, whatever happened to me happened. But I'm not going to allow whatever they did or whatever they said to become the final story. Mm. Because when I just simply, you know, kind of go through these moments and we don't know how long those moments are of traveling and traversing and, and kind of moving and trying to figure it out. But whatever, however long those moments will be, I'm going to stay moving forward as best I can. Maybe the step today is just one step. Maybe tomorrow is two steps. Maybe the next day is three steps. Maybe the day after that is standing still and crying a little bit. Maybe the day after that is, oh man, I need to go to therapy and I need to sit down. Maybe the day after that is, oh, I took a step back because now therapy to open up some things that happened in the past. But then the day after that is maybe you look yourself in the mirror and you say, my name is my own, my own, my own. So. Be okay with the openness of the journey. Mm. You never know how God is going to surprise you.
0: Mm.
2: And you never know, let me tell you this. It's another thing I'm going to say. You never know who is working on your behalf behind the scenes. You never know who is working, who's calling your name on behalf of you behind the scenes, and this is 2011, playing football at Clemson University. I'm, I'm not on scholarship at this time. I'm, I I walked on, I'm playing football, I'm grinding. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm going through struggle, I'm going through insecurity, I'm going through fear, I'm trying to find myself, trying to figure it out, set, set, set up, boom, 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 right? Then, Coach Sweeney gets up and he announces people who's going to be put on scholarship in fall camp that year, and my name gets called, Right? Of course, I've been grinding. Of course, I've been doing work. But other people have been grinding and doing work as well. But the only thing that changed that was that somebody, particularly behind the scenes, that I found out years later, had called my name. Mm-hmm. Of course, I put in the time. But I did not experience that moment without the words and the help of another person. So let that ground you. That you never know yes. who is, who's calling your name. But show up for yourself. Yes. If you don't show up for nobody else, show up for you. And Because at the end of the day, you, you, you never, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you'll never be mad for showing up for yourself. Yeah. We get mad when we show up for other people and we get <laughs> disappointed. It happens. That's life. But you never will be mad by showing up and doing the best you can for yourself every single day. So it may not be spiritual. You know, I may not have given you a word. I ain't giving you no Bible or nothing like that. But, you know, that very much is Bible. Yeah. You know, we 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 keep going.
1: Talk to me about your book, Shouting in the Fire, an American epistle. What made you want to write it?
2: Yeah, well, uh, I knew it was a book I had to write. Um, I knew that it was a book that I didn't necessarily see written that way. Um, there were many books that were written about Black folk about faith and Christianity, about white evangelicalism, but I haven't seen many memoir type style writing um, crafted narrative of the ways in which that that reality happens, but also the ways in which we change and kind of go back and find home again. Uh, So my book is at a 30,000 foot level wrestling with the question, you know, what does it mean to be black and American and Christian? And the ways in which those identities and those experiences oftentimes bring out the worst in us and in people, but then also can bring out the best. Um, and it was my wrestling, my kind of, you know, wrestling and and, and being broke at the hip uh, until I got my blessing of, you know, Hey, this is who I am. This is what, what happened, but also this is what I became in the process. And so, Yeah, Shouting in the Fire is a nod to Baldwin, is a nod to Black folk, is a nod to my relationship to Jesus and and my faith and and my family and my Pentecostalism. Uh, But it is also a nod to the many ways we Black folk, uh, many of us have found a way to, you know, witness and testify and to say that, you know, that our Black lives are beautiful and creative, uh, much far beyond what this world has done to us and tried to make us.
1: I love it. And it's had such a great reaction online. So I really encourage people to look at that Dante Stewart shouting in the fire an American epistle. And you can get that wherever books are sold. I've been doing this new thing um, to end our episodes where I ask people online, if you could sit down with Dante Stewart, what would you ask him? And I just wanted to give you a couple of the responses. We had a lot, but people, Courtney people Ellis, was responding to that. Yeah, absolutely, they Dang, did. You did that's it love. Out. Dang, they, they that's love. Dang, that's crazy. You. They love Dang, you. I love them too. Courtney Ellis asks you, how does he fight the discouragement when he is up against some serious cultural resistance to change? A word we've talked about a lot, particularly yeah. when that resistance comes from the church. How do you fight discouragement?
2: Well, I'm connected. To, well, I'm beyond those spaces. So I'm not in those spaces anymore oftentimes discouragement and bitterness set in when we don't have alternative community and Mm. alternative art and alternative framework. So I have not been connected to those spaces for, for a long time now, for years now. So my community, the Tabernacle Baptist church, which I uh, serve and, and then my friends and and my family and and people I'm connected to, you know, we, we try to build something different and, and, and embrace something different. And so like, I don't really get discouraged because those communities don't really have no ultimacy on, you know, my influence on kind of what I'm doing, my dreams, my desires, my hope, my future. Uh, But for the person in which that is, so let me speak to that person. Um, You're going to have to, in some sense, like you're going to have to wrestle with, is this the place for me to be? Number one, Um, can this community help me grow? Number two. Uh, And lastly, you know, is what I'm reading and what I'm thinking giving me what's necessary to make me feel seen, inspired, loved, and protected? And if it's not, then I need to try and read better, think better, be around better people and things like that because it's not just simply the things we read, the things we think, you know, that give us the encouragement that we need, but it it is the community that we are around that give us the courage that allow us to keep on going. So even if you're in that space, if there's one person in that space that's trying to think like you, do that work like you... Get with them people, you know, because that's gonna keep you grounded, uh, and keep you going, and, and keep you growing and getting better.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah. Chris Hennessy asks, what books and authors would Dante recommend as a must-read starter kit?
0: Whoo, woo.
1: I, I said he is the perfect person <laughs> to ask this question to.
2: Oh God, I mean, because that that's a hard one. Simply because my world is connected to the academy, the church, and kind of in the public. So. Uh, one thing, <laughs> yo. Okay, I'm gonna just start naming off names for time and <laughs> sake. Uh, so Kiese layman "Heavy" by Kiese layman Um, "The Secret lies of Church related by Disha all Uh, "The Prophets" by Robert Jones. "Those Who Don't Say They Love You" by Maurice Ruffin. Uh, um, uh, "Look Both Ways" by Jason Reynolds. Uh, "Black Book" by Mateo. Uh, let's see, what else? What else? Uh, uh "Surviving the White Gaze" by Rebecca Carroll. Uh, Men we reap and and singambury sing by Jasmine Ward. Now let me go to theology real quick. Uh, So in Flesh and Freedom by M Sean Copeland. Uh, Let's get uh, Black Womanist Ethics by Katie Cannon. Deeper Shades of Purple by Stacey Floyd Thomas. Stand Your Ground um, by uh, Kelly Brown Douglas. Um, uh, Get uh, Ron Williams series Being Christian. Um, um, That whole series is is absolutely fire. Uh, Peter Gomes, if you're on the Bible, get get Peter Gomes the Good Book. Um, who else? Tag, like, like, get some N.T. Wright, you know, and, <laughs> and, and Dallas Willard uh, uh, or whatnot. But then, like, let's go to, like, literary studies real quick. You got to get The Black Interior uh, by um, Elizabeth Alexander. You got anything, got to get anything by Baldwin. Uh, get The Sources of Self-Regard by Toni Morrison. Get uh, Children of the Night, a collection of Black short stories. Get Dark Matter if you're into sci-fi. Uh, that's, that's, that's a book of short stories by black sci-fi folk. Um, Get uh, The Matter of Black Life edited by Jelani Cobb, which is essays on black life. Boom. All right, that's all. And
1: I want to add I got many more books. I want to add Get Shouting in the Fire by Dante Stewart. Yeah, American epistle. Yeah, get, my book. Epistle. get, yeah, get my book. Definitely get books my book. Our soul. Dante, I, yeah. I want to end the interview by asking you a question. We're called viral Jesus for a reason. Virtually yeah, all credible historians, Christian and non-Christian alike, agree that there's plenty of evidence that there was a man named Jesus who actually yeah, lived and walked this earth 2,000 years ago. How can we? 2,000 years later, best communicate yeah. who Jesus was and what his mission is today.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the text. You know, uh, John 10, 10, um, you know, is paradigmatic for me. Uh, I, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, mm. you know, that they may have life and life to the full. Um, w- one of the one of my favorite quotes is by June Jordan, once again, entitled, Who Look At Me? Um, and she ends the poem simply saying this, I am Black alive and looking back at you. Uh, and so when I think about Jesus and communicating and embodying, you know, the best of our faith, I think I think for me, in this moment where I'm at right now, I think the best of that embodiment is moving away from thinking about faith and traditions and theologies as just simply helping us win arguments and controlling people and winning power over people. Uh, and more so about, you know, how do we embody a faith that helps people come alive? You know, if I think about, you know, uh, I think it was Ignatius or Arrhenius, uh, uh one of the old church folk, uh, back in the day. Um, he said, you know, that, that the glory of God is human beings being alive. And so for mm. me, you know, the glory of God is Black people alive. And so whatever is that context for you and contextualize that quote to you, what does that mean? If the glory of God is human beings made alive, then what does it mean in your context for those around you to be made alive and not just experience stealing and killing and destroying from your faith? That's how I think, you know, we best embody uh, the way of the Lord Jesus.
1: Thanks, Dante, for joining us for this episode. We like to end every episode with a little segment I call Growing Viral, and this is where I give you some direct strategies you can implement into your real life that will help you be a better communicator and connector both online and off. Here is your Growing Viral homework. As Dante said, Irenaeus, the great second century theologian, said that the essence of Christianity could be summed up by the following statement, the glory of God Is a human being fully alive? Something I do a lot when I am discouraged by a circumstance or some form of suffering is I will say out loud to myself, this doesn't make me less human. It makes me more human. And if I let it, even my suffering can better connect me to humanity. Our homework this week is to really think about how we can apply this Irenaeus quote to our current worldview. Is everything perfect in all of our lives? Probably not, right? Like everything is not perfect. And there are absolutely circumstances and spaces and areas that I am so uncomfortable being in. But does this make me any less human? And is it possible that even right here in this space, with this circumstance, is it possible that I can still be fully alive? Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer Lauren Joseph and executive producer Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Next week, we will talk to the Truth Table ladies about their new book, Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. I'll see you next week for another conversation where a Viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus.
0: Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips.